It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the latest episode of River City 93, brought to you by Roughneck Scarves, Icarus FC, and of course, for the culture. This is your host, as always, Elliot Barnes. is joining me as two men that, over the past two weeks, have become accustomed to draws. It's Matt and Shanir. How are you guys doing tonight? Uh, another draw. Another draw. Okay. <laughs> Very low, very, very even, very level. For those that can't see it right now, Matt looked like he just woke up from like the world's longest nap, and that's probably over the past two weeks how you feel. <laughs> I, I just rewatched the game. <laughs> no excitement, no uh, happiness. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> no. Oh, um, so all right, I want to ask you guys this question before we um, break down this game and talk about it. Two weeks we played probably most would say two of the upper teams in League One and four in Madison and Union Omaha, both for draws. Um, in those two games, we registered shots on goal, but no goals. We only scored one, and technically that was an own goal. Do you guys feel disappointed in the last two games, seeing there's only two points picked up out of a possible six? We sit six at the table right now. Do you guys – Feel like it's four points dropped, or are you guys like, hey, these are two of the better teams? Like, you know, we got a whole bunch of the season left. Let's just get the points and keep the pushing. Where are you guys at right now? Uh, yeah, I think if we're looking at it in, in a vacuum, uh, each individual game, I don't think it draws a bad result, right? You know, you go up to Madison, you get a draw. That's not a bad result. They're a much better team than they've been the, uh, the last couple of years. Okay, great. Playing Omaha, they come in top of the table. They've been one of the best teams in the league since they started, you know, up last year. Okay, not going to complain against about a draw against them. So individually, not bad results. If you just look at it on paper, you feel okay about it. Obviously, you prefer to win one, especially a home game, out of that. But big picture, not into the, the world. I think it's more of you know how the play on the you know, field has looked and you know what the. Uh, not a mathematical set, but like what the hope rate was for each of these last two games, especially you know after that first ten minutes of the Madison game, where it looked like okay, these guys are you know coming out, we're you know on fire. Bologna's got that good chance, and you got that good chance you know early on. The last 170, 170 minutes of soccer have not exactly been exciting to watch as a kickers fan. Yeah, that, that's that's fair to say. I mean, the four Madison game, like you said, we had chances in it, so you feel like. All right, if a goal goes in, we look at things a lot differently in that game. Versus when you look at this Junior Omaha game, I'm not going to compare it to the Chattanooga game because I think the Chattanooga game in itself was a disaster. Like, nothing went right. But it just felt like defensively, we were fine. Offensively, it didn't feel like a lot of stuff was clicking. It didn't feel like Neil really got into the game. 
um, at most points. I know Matt didn't really get into the game at most points. Um, so it didn't feel like offensively we were clicking or like a cohesive unit. The back, like we, we said it all the time on this podcast, the back five speaks for themselves. They're fine. They did a good job. Even in the goal that was given up in this game, I don't blame them for because it's one of those goals where there's no way you can really cover it. I mean, you can do more. You can put more pressure on the opposing player, but there's no real way to blame anyone on it. Like you can't blame the defense. You can't care. It's just a goal. Um, but I do feel as if there's been points dropped. You know, it's, it's good to pick up points against the bigger teams at the top of the table, but um, yeah, it's slightly disappointing. Shanair, what about you? How you feel, man? Um, I feel a little bit conflicted at this point. I, I do feel feel that it is Union Omaha. They have been very dangerous season so far. Um, so I don't know. I, I think there is room for improvement here, but you gotta you, you you gotta take what you can get in these situations. One thing that did uh kind of bury me a bit was uh playing as particularly the six and giving the ball away several times in the first half in dangerous positions. And I think it's partly him being too slow with the ball, partly players not giving him options. I do feel that there a lot there was a lot with the back four and the rest. And that's why Shaka got caught in possession so many times. Uh the, the little things like that where you I mean, basically at the end of the day you've gotta be able to connect from out of the back. I think there there was a period of time where Literally, the back line was passing the ball around every time they pass it to Zaka. The two front um, Union Omaha attackers would literally collapse on him because they knew that he did not have any options going forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, what kind of which boils down before we get into all the nitty-gritty details of the game is that, you know, when, when the team isn't, like, 100% on – at least a boring soccer. I feel like that's, you know, almost as bad as bad soccer. Like, you know, 2019, we saw some bad soccer. It wasn't necessarily boring. Uh, you know, so, but, yeah, it's not been exciting to watch. Yeah, no, it, it hasn't been offensively. Um, like we said, it just it feels like something's misfiring, not really clicking right. Um, but, like Darren has said, it's a long season, so we'll see. Um, going into the game side of things, this is what the third straight week in a row. He's named the same starting eleven, I believe. I believe right. Third straight week. Um, so yeah, really, does. yeah. So no real, no no changes at all. Uh, we go into the game against you, Yohoma, and you, Yohoma, Like we said, if you watch League One, you kind of know how they play. You already know what to expect from the four four two. It's going to be high pressure. Um, we had a couple of Union Omaha fans in the stadium, so I don't know what it is, but we got to stop allowing opposing fans to come into the stadium because every time an opposing fans come, we don't seem to win. <laughs> it's not really good for us there. 
at that moment. Well, I don't know if we want to you know, start that up, given that you know road trip plan for Friday. Let's keep the uh, <laughs> for opposing fans for at least another week. Right <laughs> after that, we can ban everyone. No opposing fans allowed in. Um, so I, let me ask you, Matt. Like first couple of thoughts going into the game. What did you see? What, what did you think Richmond was trying to do or trying to establish? I think we were trying to do, you know, what's worked really well against you know, New England, what, uh, you know, at times was able to work against, you know, you know Chattanooga, you know, when it was going right, uh, what worked, worked against Trementa, and that's, you know, find those, uh, you know, outlets, to mostly Bolaños and, you know, Bolduc. Problem this time was that I think, you know, Union Omaha had done their scouting, they did their homework, and they knew that that was, option A, option B, and option C most of the time, and they took it away. You know, they you, know, you look at the stats, and possession was in the kicker's favor. i almost positive that's the first time all year that's been the case, and I don't think that was an accident. I think, uh, you know, Jay Mims basically, you know, the Union Omaha coach, he basically said, all right, y'all have the ball, and especially after you know, they scored to go ahead, he said, all right, y'all have the ball. Prove to me that you can score. Yeah, yeah, I feel that same way. Like, I mean, the only person attacking wise that I felt was dangerous on the day that kind of gave us any kind of threat was uh, Bolognos. Neil yeah. did not have a great day at all. I, there were moments in the game I forgot he was on the field because he just, and like we said before in this podcast, like, Neil is not very mobile. So Neil is only going to stay in a certain area or space. He's not going to go all over the field. And it felt like Union Omaha almost did the same thing Chattanooga, Chattanooga did was, all right, there's Emmy and there's Neil. So what we're going to do is just pretty much put them in a box. And I don't know if it was man marking. I felt like it was man marking at certain points, but it was just like every time Neil got the ball, there was someone on his shoulder and Neil would have to pay the ball back. And not being the most mobile, he was just not able to get separation. If you want to think about it, think about it in terms of basketball. Like, like the most important thing in basketball is to do is to get separation from the defender so you can have an open shot. And for Neil, that's one of the key things about his game. He needs separation. And if he doesn't have that separation, he kind of he kind of takes himself out of the game. You know? Yeah, I, mean, I, I think it gets doubled down, you know, with – you know, Emmy a little bit because Emmy was also non-existent in the first half, and a lot of their skill sets are very complementary to one another. So, uh, I'm mean, credit to Omaha; they they you know had a plan going in, and I think they executed it very, very well to counter you know the way that you know this team likes to play so far this year. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Um, so. Let's go ahead. Let's talk about it. This first goal that happened. Um, make sure I get the time on it straight because I don't want to be lying to you guys. So 31st minute, like I thought. Um, Sosa pretty much, he's on the right flank, right wing. And he just crosses the ball in. Um, and I'm trying to remember the striker. I think it's Boyce. So Boyce does a really interesting thing when you watch this goal, like, he runs right in between Ivan and Chrysler. He splits him right down the middle. So when this ball is coming in, Akira is standing there, 
and he knows he has to go near post because if boys get ahead to it, it's going in the back of the net. So he has to be able to react to that. And I don't know how it did it. And maybe, you know, Matt and you guys are better tacticians than what I am. Maybe you can explain it. It just seemed like this ball took a weird dip in between the one space, like, <laughs> that it could to go into the back of the net, into the far post. You know, it, it just happened, it's like happened just to go in between this void where Akira can react to it at a time. None of the defenders could really get, neither one of the center backs could get to it. Yeah. I'll let you guys probably explain it better than what I did. <laughs> I, I think that's a situation where Akira did not expect for uh, Boyd not to get ahead on it. Because uh, Boyd was making that run in in order to get a touch on that cross. So if Akira follows the ball, then he's leaving the near post open. And if Boyd gets ahead on it, He's getting ahead right in a clear space goal. So what he does, Akira is waiting for Boyd to get a touch on it. Because if, if Boyd gets ahead on that, Akira might be able to make a save. Because Akira is in the right position for that. But because he doesn't get ahead on it, then it ends up going far post where he is not. And that, that was one of those situations. It was basically a fluke because I don't even... Yvonne or Chrysler thought that Boyd was not going to get a touch on the ball because it literally was like header for Boyd because the the cross came in in a perfect position for Boyd to head that maybe near post. So, again, freak accident, unlucky. Yeah, you see this sort of thing happen, you know, a couple times a year in almost any league, whether you're, it's USL League One, whether it's, you know, the Premier League, whether it's, you know, your, whatever your league of choice is. Uh, so it's not it's not common, but it's not unusual to see, see something like this happen where, you know, the errant cross, you know, kind of, you know, just skips through the box and goes in the goal. And the goal always just, you know, looks you know horrible as a result of it because it's like okay well what are you doing why are you just standing there but you know Shanir did a good job of you know kind of describing why you know the keeper is you know stuck to the ground at that point because you can't sell out for it because if any touch otherwise you know and the ball is in the net and you look like an idiot for you know diving you know where the ball is going to be and you know the ball goes to complete other direction so you know it's kind of damned if you do damned if you don't you know sort of scenario you know there I think uh, I agree. I don't think there's any like individual to blame. I think if anything, you know, I mean, Sousa had a day and a half out on you know the wing there to be able to you know, put in the cross. Uh, if we want to you know really you know get on something there, that could be you know a question of okay, you know that was a ton of time and ton of space. You know, still missed his cross. Let's you know be real about that. You know, he still missed his target. I thought I thought it was Hurst. Maybe I just wanted it to be Hurst because Devin Boyce, you know, just drove me up the wall last year. Uh, so I don't want to give him credit for something good if I don't have to. Uh, you know, but, you know, made the run, missed, you know, didn't connect on, you know, the header. There's no way that was a shot. You know, it was just a fortunate circumstance for Omaha. And, you know, later on in the game, fortunate circumstance bounced back out. Like, you know, they tend to do, they just did it quicker this time. Yeah, I mean, that that was one of the things that Darren talked about in the uh, postgame interview, I feel like it was a point that it really irritated him, just the fact that there was not enough pressure on the initial cross. Like you said, like he could pretty much pick out his spot 
and with professional athletes, no matter what level you're playing at, if you give an athlete the time to figure out what they want to do, nine times out of ten, they're going to execute how they want to do it. And that's what it came down to. It just wasn't, you know, to, like we said, <laughs> I feel like it's a recurring thing that we say on this podcast all the time. The kickers are not going to beat themselves, but defensive errors will beat them every time. And that's a defensive error in my book. Like, you know, not putting that initial pressure on the right back. So he just, he's able to pick up his head and figure out like, all right, I can put this instantly across here and make a chance. Um, yeah. Anything else from the first half? Do you think you guys really stick out? I mean, to me, it, I didn't really feel like much happened in the first half that really kind of made me sit on the edge of my seat from either side. I mean, there were shots, but it wasn't nothing to. I mean, it was pretty dire to rewatch. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I mean, Omaha controlled, you know, the, pretty much the entire half. I think, you know, you know, Yvonne had that one free kick, you know, you know, warm burner, but knew who was right on it. Can we talk about this? Like, cause that. Okay. <sighs> okay. This is a point. I, I, that, I'm, that I'm very excited to find out what you're so fired up about this. Cause I just thought it was a, some run of the mill free kick. Because he's not. Okay. So this is my thing. Like, Put the best players in the best situations, right? And I get it if this free kick is in the middle of, like, right near the right near the halfway line. I get it. Have our mom back there, swing the ball in. Someone gets ahead of him, whatever. But since this free kick happened so close to the box, I kind of felt like we just gave Union Omaha, like, we gave Union Omaha a freebie. Um, if you guys know what I'm saying, like. Avon is not a shooter. Like, he's not shooting. If he scores a goal, and every goal that he scores is from what? A header, right? He's not, you know, he's not in that situation to be in enough to put a ball on frame or make new who, who is one of the better goalkeepers in his league, feel a threat. If you put Neil, if you put Emmy, Zaka, Bolognos, whoever, is more of a threat. Then Avon, you know, that's like me telling you, oh, hey, I'm gonna put Shaq in the three point line. What you gonna do? You're gonna leave Shaq open, right? Because you're not afraid of that threat. If Shaq makes it, great. Okay, fine. I can live with that. But are related to relatable terms today, Ben Simmons. Like, you're fine if Ben Simmons shoots a three and makes it. Okay, fine. But if he misses it, what's the word? Like, I just I didn't get that decision. That's that's all. I'm sorry. I'll get off my soapbox now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I can understand the argument. I guess you know somewhat. Uh, if you look at where it was on the field, it really did set up a lot better for a left footer. So if you want to make the argument that hey, why isn't Zaka on this if he's taking our you know, corners and everything? You know that require a left footer. Okay, I can get down with that. But you know, at the same time, you know, I, I don't think if it's uh, you know, any of us, you know, somehow randomly on the field and we're like, hey, I'm taking this free kick, that Emmy's going to be like, oh, okay, cool, you can do it. You know, he's probably got to have some level of, you know, trust. And if you want to use your NBA analogy, how do you know Yvonne's not, you know, just like his uh, Maryland boy Kevin Herter ready to, you know, rain all over no. you know, the team? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Like, <laughs> the difference between this free kick and the free kick that we scored off of is that who's in the box now? Yvonne. Ivan is great on set pieces because of his height, his physicality, and also because he knows how to interpret space. 
it's just in that moment, like, I get it. Maybe Avon is, I don't, it, I just, yeah, don't he, he made it, he made knew he had to do something. It, it, but he, I don't know. It just didn't, when I saw him line up for the free kick, I'm like, I don't feel confident in this. Like, I don't feel as if, like, if he scores, great. It's a miracle. <laughs> More or less, was like, all right, we're about to get the ball back to you, Omaha. I feel like Darren is probably listening to this podcast and he's like, no, nah, Elliot, this is how it was supposed to go. This is how it was supposed to go. Yeah, I don't think I'm it was sorry. random. Yeah, oh, no, it wasn't random. Like, I feel like it's probably something they worked on in practice. Probably. I just don't think that was a good call. I, 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 don't, I don't see it. That's just what, that's what I hear is Elliot hates defenders. Elliot hates uh, <laughs> Brazilians. I do uh, not hate Brazilians nor defenders. Well, I, no, he's, I, I mean, I, you're trashing or Brazilian. Look, 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 I see, I see where where you're coming from though, because this is like the situation of um, when was it? It was the last the last Euros uh, in 2016 when Harry Kane was taking corner kicks. It's like. Hey, don't you want him in the box, not taking the corner kick? So that it's the same. I think it's the same thing here with Yvonne. It's like, if anything, just put him in the box and 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 have somebody cross it. Like, what? Sure. I mean, it, it, yeah, I want Yvonne in the box on corners. If it's a free kick, taking a shot. I mean, yeah. nobody's in the box anyway. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess, but you, yeah. you want someone who's. That's their bread and butter. But then you go. Then again, you know, you got David Luis. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it I feel like he's made that actually sure and all, he's so. been living off that for the rest of his life. Like he made that one free kick in the World Cup, and he's been living off of that for the rest. Oh of no, his he life. he made plenty. He made plenty for Chelsea. Yeah, he made quite a few for Chelsea and a couple for PSG too. <laughs> all right. Well, that's how I felt about it. <laughs> um, so going right, in the second right. half. Right. <laughs> Going into the second half, we did have one substitution. Matt Bolduck comes off comes off for Luke Pavone. Um, I mean, I feel like this is another talking point. Like, if you're Matt right now, how are you feeling? Like, what kind of headspace are you in right now? Because against Revs too, I'm sorry, I just hit my mic. Against Revs too, you just you know scored a goal in the opening seconds of the game. Against Fort Lauderdale, I mean, against Fort Madison, you had a couple of opportunities. But outside of that, the rest of the season has been really down for him. Like, if you're Matt, if you're Matt Bodo, what kind of headspace are you in right now? How are you feeling? Like, what do you guys say? I think at this point with Matt, where my issue is, is I'm not sure we know exactly what his job is on the field. Um, is he supposed to be mirroring Bolaños or is he supposed to be doing something else on that side? Because there are some games he does exactly the same thing Bolaños is doing except on the right wing, but then there are other games where he's expected to play more of a midfield role and 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 do different things. So I, I don't think we have a clear picture of what Matt Volduck is supposed to be doing. And because of that, we're, we're it's it's kind of in limbo. It's kind of unsure what 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 we're supposed to expect from him. Um, in the forward Madison game, I think 
he was playing a different role than he was in the New England Revolution game where he scored in the first 30 seconds. Uh, so it, it, it's one of those things that's just confusing. And I, I don't know if it is by design. I don't know if it's a game-to-game situation based on the game. This is what his job is. But I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I think that inconsistency of what he's supposed to be doing on the field may have an effect on his performance level. Yeah, I think that last point is really true because, you know, reference back to the LA, the interview you did with him, what was that, two or three weeks ago? And, uh, yeah, two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. He was hard on himself in that interview. You know, he was, you know, pointing out, you know, really hypercritically, I didn't do well in this game. I didn't do well in this game. This one was okay. You know, he set expectations for himself, which is great. You want, you know, people to hold themselves to a high standard, you know, but, you, know, you also need to you know, be able to give yourself forgiveness, I think. And you need to be able to you know, show some grace, and, you know, that is to self-grace, you know, not you know, anything else like that. Uh, but I think you need to be able to do that to really you know, be able to be effective, be at your best. And because after a while, you know, I'm sure everybody's you know, been at that at some point in their life, whether it's with work or personal life or something, you get in your own head. And when you start getting in your own head, it's hard to you know, get out and it just starts to uh, you know, multiply you know, the same mistakes over and, you know, starts to, you know, permeate a little bit more. So this is projecting because, again, this is based off of one, you know, half hour, you know, podcast from a couple of weeks ago, you know, but, you know, I heard stuff, you know, in there that, you know, you know shows that, you know, yeah, he's you know able to look at himself critically, but, you know, maybe he, you know, maybe he needs that, you know, extra pep talk or something, and, you know, maybe he needs a game off the bench. Or two, just to be able to you know try to refocus himself, you know, in some way. I don't know what the exact answer is, but uh, I definitely think there's uh, he might be thinking too much. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely see that in his play. You just feel like he's he's overthinking things. It's not coming to him naturally. Um, and, you know, he needs a confidence. So I'm gonna put you guys in the hot seat. I'm gonna ask you guys this: If you're Darren right now, do you, you know? Take Matt out of the starting lineup for a couple of games. Why, like, why or why not? We, do you take Matt out of the starting lineup right now? Uh, I think so, I, I would probably you know change him out for the next game. You know, I think a a we're playing North Carolina's team that we need to get all three at. I think you know, it's a game that could really benefit from also having Olex you know in there for an extended amount of time and let him go to work on academy kids. You know, or you know, other very new pros. Uh, I think he can probably be able to thrive in that situation. Uh, and you know, maybe you know, if you bring you know Baldick, maybe it's for Blanius or Olex in that situation. I wouldn't be opposed to you know, giving him a little bit of a run and you know a uh, you know a Neil or a, you know Victor kind of spot too. You know, off the bench. You know, don't start him there right away. You know, but if we need to rotate, you know, in you know to some of those roles. We saw, you know, during the Buell era, he can you know, shift into the middle and you know, be able to do something there. You know, we know he's not afraid to get stuck in on somebody. You know, so that part's not going to be a, an issue. You know, he, he might not be the you know, physically, physically biggest guy, but he will throw his body around if necessary. So he'll do the work there. Uh, maybe, maybe that's, you know, the solution because then you still have, you know, Luke, you know, who can be able to you know, provide, you know, a rest for one of the wing forwards. You move, you know, uh, you know, Hernan, uh, you know, somebody else, 
you know, Vickers, you know, into one of those roles, you know, in reserve if necessary. Uh, so there's still options up front. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there you go, Samir. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think I agree. I agree with you, Matt. Um, I think in these stations, a lot of times the best solution depends on the personality of the player. And I, I, I would I would hope Ren knows the nuances of these players' personalities more than we do. There are some players, when they are not performing, your best bet is to bench them, and that'll light a fire under their butt. Other players, you do that, they self-destruct. But um, I think what you said, Matt, is, is, is key. I mean, start him on the bench for the next game. Start him you know, on the bench for the next game and then bring him in in a different position. Give him, give him a little something different to work for and maybe we'll see, we'll see, you know, we'll see Bolduc maybe come back into himself and kind of get back to the form that we know he's got. Yeah, that's very true. And maybe it's something where, like you, like you alluded to, man, maybe – I'm trying him out of a different position. You know, he hasn't been really successful at that right wing spot. Olex has been. Um, maybe try him out in a number 10 role. See how that works and bring him off the bench. Let him, you know, get the last couple of minutes of the game, you know, 30 minutes. Because um, Neil hasn't, outside of the Revs 2 game, hasn't really had the spectacular start. Um, he's also new. You know, the team is still gelling. We're only nine games in. But, there's no harm in playing Matt there. He's had great results there. You know, he's one of the ventures on the team. He can still offer you a whole lot. I just think, you know, you do have to be smart of knowing when to stop a player from getting an hour ahead too much. The best thing is probably just give him a break and see. Um, but going into the second half, like we said earlier. All right. So, <laughs> my fault. So, Luke comes on for Matt Baldock in the second half. Like we said earlier, um, do you guys feel like anything changed in that second half with now Luke coming on the field? Because Luke is totally different from um, Matt. As we all know, Luke is a spark plug. He is going to run all over the place and do all the dirty work. Do you feel like that kind of changed up how you can approach this game in the second half? Or do you feel like it was kind of more of the same until um, the own goal happened in the 74th, 75th minute? Yeah, I don't think anything changed necessarily i think luke was more effective he brought a lot of energy you know, out there he you know certainly uh made made his presence you know, felt out on the wing you know, we saw the typical luke pavone hustle you know, he's gonna gonna you know make a play on every single ball he's gonna uh you know challenge you know every challenge that he can possibly you know, put himself into wasn't always the most effective uh you know throughout you know he had got you know into you know, some dangerous spaces for some crosses, most of the crosses uh, didn't always make it past the first guy, unfortunately. Uh, but you know, he made himself available, which I thought was a nice change, you know, from what wasn't happening in the first half. I don't think Omaha you know, did or needed to do anything different to adjust to that because it was still not only the same you know, gameplay and spray it wide and let the guy run, and which was what Omaha was expecting anyway. Yeah, I, I feel that 
him coming in gave a little bit more energy on that right side, like you said, Matt. But apart from that, I think it was business as usual for the rest of the team, for the rest of the formation, for the rest of the look of the team. It was the same as the first half. Um, It seemed that what made things maybe look different was that Union Omaha kind of sat back. They kind of were just like, all right, let's protect this one nil lead. Let's chill out and relax and, and just make sure they don't score. And it didn't look like Union were really trying. They weren't like in terms of defense, they were on their game, but in terms of attack, they were they didn't leave first gear in the second half until we scored. And once we scored, then it's like, oh, they woke up and were like, oh, okay, we need to, we need to figure something out. We need to get this win this lead back. But I don't think there was too much with regard to change with the kickers. So. Uh, I I do feel that um, Darren taking off Matt was more so for Matt than for the team. Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, you know, when you go back and rewatch the game, it didn't feel like anything really changed. It felt like if, first of all, if you were in the stadium, you know how the scoreboard was all messed up all over the place. It kind of felt like that. Like if you take the Union Omaha. Goal out of this game, it didn't feel like any team really. And it, it didn't feel like any team was. I don't know. I don't know how to really say this. We were like, no team was definitely in control because Union had the ball in like our own half, but it never felt as if like a chance was really coming from it. If, I, if that makes any sense. Um, and then I don't know how we lucked up into it, but we did get a goal, 74th minute. It was our own goal. But if you go look at it two plays before that, it was not two plays, but two passes before that, it kind of already starts from Luke doing the thing that he does best is being a pest and getting himself into a fallible situation. And then guess who's not taking the free kick because he's inside the six-yard box? Avon. The proof is in the play on the wing. Works. The proof is in the pudding, folks. <laughs> Stuff happens when he's inside the box. Now, I will say this. I don't care what USL League One says. That goal is Jalen's. That is his goal because he is a friend of a podcast and he liked the tweet when I said it. So I'm giving him that goal. It's first goal in Richmond. <laughs> to, to be honest with you, um, I actually concur. I think it should be a goal given to him because if that deflection doesn't happen, the ball is still going in the back of the net. The ball is going far post. So the Union goalkeeper is almost touching his near post at the time when Chrysler makes connection with with the ball. And there is, apart from the player it deflects off of, there is nobody far post. And from the way that ball was moving, it was gonna, it was gonna go far post into the goal. So, I think that goal should be his. Yeah, it's a goal. I don't really care either way. I don't think it was going to find its way in the goal if it didn't get deflected in. Uh, but <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> It was a mad scramble for it, though. Like, it, it was a mad scramble. Um, yeah. 
But with, I mean, with that goal, though, I think you know it shows one of the strengths of this team. You know, and we've seen it a, you know, a few other times, especially with you know, Monty, is that for the first time in a long time, this team is actually a threat on corners, on you know, free kicks from those kind of areas. You, know, you got Monty, who's already got two this way. You got you know, Jalen, who well, we'll give him that this one. You know, Yvonne's shown in the past that he can be able to you know, finish in these scenarios. Victor's shown he can you know, finish. In these you know, scenarios you know, before, uh, so there's threats there. And even earlier in the game, you know, the only times I really felt like we were going to score before that goal were other free kicks and corners that were basically the same scenario: get the guys up. And Monty had one that he headed over. Uh, I think there was one other one, you know, that looked you know, at least semi-threatening in some way. So it, you know, it's a good thing to have you know in your back pocket. I mean, you know, look at all these you know international tournaments going on right now. A lot of goals coming from free you know set plays. Yeah, very true. And that, you know, you go back and look, what, two years ago, like set pieces was, every time there was a corner or a set piece, we would just dread it because we knew, like, all right, something is going to go wrong here. But now I feel like, like you said, man, it is the strength of our game. And once again, I feel more vindicated in the fact that I, you know, Avon should not have been taking that set piece in the first half. Oh, <laughs> I'm not letting this point go. I'm not letting that point go until next week. I can't um, wait until he scores this week, you know, off of a free <laughs> kick, and we just get to crap all over LA uh, the whole next podcast. Uh, uh, oh, <laughs> we're going to talk about hand is a soccer ball. Time. Is it go upper 90? Yeah, that would be excellent. <laughs> um, be great. Um, but I have to give credit where credit is due. Union Omaha did, I don't know, like Matt, you alluded to earlier about how Union Omaha pretty much, when we scored, they went to another level. And you see that that's lacking in Richmond right now, where Richmond is a team that essentially, like, um, asks this question to um, Darren on the press game, post game show, um, about the midfield pair between Zaka and Victor. Like, why does he prefer, you know, what is so good about it? He was like, even though it's a good pairing, you know, because we, Mumbai is still working his way back into the team and, um, Eventually, when he gets healthy, you know, Victor or Zaka might get a rest here and there. But for right now, you know, they're working good, but it's still a young pairing because of the fact of they've only been together for nine games. And when you look at this team, almost, I think, one, two, three, have been with the team for three years. That's Matt, uh, Avon, and Akira. Where if you look at a team like Union Omaha, that team's been together for the better part of a year, granted most of it was COVID, and then this year um, they added new new pieces in, but the core of that team is still been together. And as you see a lot with League One, like your better team, the core's been together for a long time, like Greenville, um, you know, Omaha, things like that. Your teams are kind of been fluctuating up and down, your Richmond's, your Ford Madison's, your South Georgia's, South Georgia's. pieces been taken in and out, been flipped around, been chopped around. Do you think is a case here in Richmond where the reason why we're seeing so many, you're not seeing that flow like how we saw in Union Omaha offensively is because so many pieces are coming together new, or do you think it's just like it's just not coming together because you know we just not getting the breaks? Well, basically, we're, it's, this is a new midfield three. <clears throat> Our midfield three, which is basically the heartbeat of any team, uh, they're they're not used to 
as used to each other as, say, uh, Greenville or um, North Texas or some of these other teams that are more cemented in their systems. Um, I think it would it'll take a while before because usually what 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 happens you have a situation where a coach will tinker it'll take them a while to find the right formula then it'll take the right formula to start to work so i think we're at the stage now where that midfield 3 were kind of clear on what what's happening with them now they need time to gel they need time to get used to i'm here you're there this is how it goes um so at, at the end of the day, we're, our back line is, has, has, I think we, we struck gold with that from the jump. It was unfortunate to, to lose Ian Antley, uh, but at this point, Calvo and Monty as our fullbacks are gelling very well with uh, Chrysler and Avon. So, you know, our back line is, is solid. And, and going back to alluding to what, what you said, that means we're more secure on set pieces than we have been in a long time. I mean, it's like you said before, we were, we were dreading set pieces. It's like the song 1940, something's wrong when you regret the things that haven't happened yet. And we're regretting things that weren't even happening yet. We're like, crap, set piece, we're screwed. So <laughs> now we're in a situation where we have a back line that's set. We have a striker who we know can finish. He's out, he was our top striker last year. Now we need to figure out. I mean, I, I mean, I think Bolaños is 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 secure in his position as a left winger, but that midfield three and our right wing is where we are still not fully clear. Because of that, that's the, that's where we're a little disjointed. All right, so let, let me give you three reasons why I don't totally buy in to the oh, it's only been nine games. You know, they need time to be able to gel. So here's three reasons for you. What is what's our back line look like? Left back, new player. Left center back, returning player. Right center back, new player. Right back, new player. What's the one common theme that we have been able to say over the last 10 weeks or so? Backline is solid. They know what they're doing. They're you know, keeping it you know, together. None of this is on them. They've been able to figure it out. They've been together the exact same less time because Calvo didn't even get in until like when the season started. You remember we had that you know, game or two you know, where Luke was you know, having to fill in at right back because all the other right backs were hurt, right? You know, so they've been able to you know, figure it out in the same exact amount of time. Example two of why I'm not totally buying into this. Let's look at our front line. You know, left wing, second year player, center forward, most of the time, second year player, league MVP, right wing, fifth year player. You know, okay, you know, maybe the you know attacking center midfielder, new player, most of the time, but still front three, those are guys who played together a lot last year. They're not getting it done right now. Necessary individually, they're you know, doing okay, but you know, it's hard to say that it's really been a cohesive you know, even the top sub you know, coming off the bench, second year player, Olex. You know, so the experience is up there, and you know, not just happened. You know, granted, there's a caveat that you know, part of their success is dependent on the midfield. I'll you know, certainly concede you know, that part, 
But here's my here's my step three, you know, example three, and why I really don't you know, buy into the, you know, the idea of the experience piece. We can all agree Greenville is a good team, right? You know, they're certainly you know probably I would still say the best team. I know Omaha is on top of the table, and Greenville just got smacked by Trementa this week. But I still say Greenville's probably the most talented team in the league. Let's look at their forward line right now. Leading scorer in the league, Mario Loomis, new to Greenville. They're you know, top winger right now. Don Smart, new to Greenville. I don't even know who they're playing. You know, another position they rotate around like Morell and uh, you know some other guys out there. So a returning player there. They've only played like seven games. They're eight games. They're meshing well. They're doing well. You know, you know everything. They're you know not needing you know half a year to be able to adjust and be able to you know, put things together. You know, so I think you know these guys are professionals. It's different. If we're talking like high schoolers, okay, that's different. You can you be able to you know give a little bit of leeway. But these guys are getting paid to play, and if preseason started what like early March, you know something like that. You know they've been together for South minimum three months now. I think that's enough time for them to be able to, you know, understand tendencies and understand what works and what doesn't. Hey, I, I can't disagree with any of that. And this is something that, you know, we've mostly said, and I think it's true in any sport. Like defense, I think the biggest thing is focus. Like you become a better defensive player the more you are able to focus and hone in like on your assignment. I think offense, it comes down to confidence. And right now the Richmond offense is not confident as, at all. You know, you don't have – they're not seeing the ball going to the back of the net. So you start, like, for instance, like we talked about with Matt, you start overthinking. You start doing stuff that you normally would not do, you know. Um, it's the famous saying of you're too busy trying to take care of everyone else, but you're neglecting yourself. You're not doing your job. You're not focusing on what you're doing. And that's what it is with a Richmond office right now. It just feels like everyone's trying to do too much. And the fact of doing too much – they're not doing enough. So, Matt, you can stay on the soapbox as long as you want to. I'm all here for it. <laughs> um, one one thing I do want to add to that is I do feel that on top of what what you're saying, one one thing that I think is a factor here is I'm not completely clear on the jobs of our midfield three. Um, who's the six? Who's the 10? Who's the eight? Or who, who in in certain situations, who is the guy you look to as the 10? Who's the guy you look to as the eight? When we're defending, who's the guy who's protecting, protecting the back line? It, it, it's one of those situations where it, it, it basically kind of, uh, one example I can use is, Paul Pogba with France. He knows what N'Golo Kante is doing. Therefore, Pogba shines because he understands exactly what his midfield partner and midfield partners are doing in Rabio and, and Kante. He shines. He performs his best. Manchester United, not so much because, again, what exactly is the, is the identity of the midfield three? And I think with the Richmond kickers, our midfield three don't really have an identity. And because of that, it, it doesn't really affect the back line that much, which is why our back line is able to develop that chemistry very quickly and, and hold it. But our front line, it affects them so much because it's like 
it's everything that's coming to us is most of the times through you. So if if the front line can't see what the identity of the midfield is, it's very hard to get a rhythm going. So I, I think there needs to be some means of they need to sit down and find an identity for that midfield. Once that uh, midfield has an identity, everything else will fall into place, I feel. Yeah, I think it's partly there. I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that Zaka is the you know kind of traditional six and much more of the you know destroyer type of role. You know, he's not you know g- you know drifting too far up the field. He's shielding you know Ivan. He's shielding Jalen most of the time. He's you know, putting in all that dirty work in there. That you think that's fair to say? That's what his role is. Yeah, I, I would say that's fair to say because we've seen Zaka. He's been the Single pivot in most games, he's been in a double pivot with Victor. Um, hey, that's fair to say. I, I think the issue really just comes from, and I, you know, I've discussed it on here before of like, I'm not sure what Victor is doing. I love Victor in his team. Victor is one of my favorite players in this team. I call him Swedish Parallel, but I'm not sure what is he supposed to do exactly. And I think the bigger issue is if, okay. So I think the bigger issue is once again with Neil and Emmy. And it comes mm-hmm. down to based on if we're going to go with this long ball system, I think Hernandez is actually the better, he's the better player that fits it, just physicality wise. I, I just struggle with seeing Neil in that midfield, knowing that it's going to be long ball and knowing that, all right, defensively, you're kind of playing down a man. Offensively, if you're going long ball, you're not really playing to Neil's strength. So what is he really doing out there for you? You know? Yeah, but but basically you're looking at a situation. If if you have Neil as your quote-unquote 10 and you're going to play long ball, he needs to be quick. Because he needs to be – so if you're playing long ball, your striker is the target. And your wingers and your 10 are overlapping. And Neil ain't overlapping anybody, basically. I don't, I don't even think that's a Neil issue, though. Because I think we run into the same issue if Emmy's in that spot, you know, too, because we're just bypassing him. You know, yeah, that yeah, that's true. I, well. I, I'm, just, I'm just not sure. Whoever you put in that number 10 spot, I don't know what you're – expecting them to do because normally when you see a number 10 you're playing through them and you have whatever the, the formation is you're you're expecting them to kind of play to him now if you're playing let's just say four three three then okay you you have nil kind of be the creator of force or whatever but still we haven't seen it out of the kickers this year where they look to hold the ball or possession and possession for an attacking purpose we haven't seen that out of the kickers this year you know, a lot of our well, goals have come off of fast breaks. It's come off of set pieces, penalties. What I'm saying is, is like, I think if you get rid of that number 10 spot and put another striker on the field, I, I don't think you're missing a field. Right? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, but that that's the thing. that Your number 10 has a different job depending on how you're playing. If you're playing the long ball, your number 10 is that overlapping run in the middle. So you play the long ball to your target striker, hold up play, 
then he's got the 10 running off of him. He's got the 7 and the 11 running off of him. So if, in my, in, in my opinion, this is the perfect situation to put Olex on the right and put Matt as your number 10. He is far more mobile. So you put you put Gonzalez up top and you put Matt as your 10. He Matt is overlapping Gonzalez every time and Gonzalez wins that ball. And he's a he's a dangerous option. So if if we're gonna be playing with the long ball, Neil is not useful. If we're gonna play on the ground, Neil is very useful. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. Uh the, the other wrinkle I wouldn't be opposed to seeing. You know, we kind of saw a slight variation of it in Chattanooga. What if on the you know front line you just go with your favorite, pick your favorite combination of Bolaños, Olex, uh, Boldick, and Pavone? Pick three out of four, and just let them run, let them go. Yeah, you don't have the traditional big body up front, but you you can get to a lot more of the pressing. You can get you know, to a lot more you know just being a pest out of all that, and you know, whether you want. Neil or Emmy or whoever, you know, kind of sitting behind them. Okay, cool, whatever. Doesn't bother me. Which one? But that might be a, another alternative wrinkle. Yeah, no, I, I see no issue with that. I think that's something that could be very helpful for the kickers is pressing. Because the thing about this team is, this team, I think it's fair to say, Roma at the 10 game mark, however, is the halfway point of the season. This team is not going to create goals breaking teams down. That, that's not the identity, offensive identity of this team. The way how this team is going to score a goal is off of turnovers, fast breaks, set pieces. That's how, that's how the kickers are going to score their goals. So within that, if you employ this high-pressing, you know, putting out their boat up, you know, Pavone, uh, Bolognos, you know, up top, Olex pressing, you create more opportunities. You're closer up to the goal. Right now, the kickers are pretty much possessing the ball in the middle of the midfield, kind of stuck on ideas of like, all right, well, everyone's pretty much stagnant. And it's a trait that happens no matter where you play. After a while, the ball is just getting passed around. What, what is your natural thing to do? You're just going to stand in your spot, right, and just wait. And I think that's, that's what's happening right now with the kickers' offense. It's just stagnation. And I think if you employ more high pressing, get into the face of the defenders, you create those opportunities for yourself where you have more shots on target. That's what worked so well for the kickers last year was that high pressing system. Yeah, I think yeah. you know this conversation is kind of reminding me that I don't think this team ever really replaced, you know, a Riley Craft kind of player. Yeah, you know, because I think back last year Victor was playing in that sixth spot and Riley was you know playing, you know, sorta, not really the kind same kind of position that uh Victor is this year, but you know, kind of you know a classical you know box to box you know, kind of style. Yeah, but he, you know, he was you know, a little. I think it's fair to say more mobile than Victor, uh, but he was a little bit more, you know, kind of a, a pit bull in the midfield as well, you know, with the skill. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think I think we had talked about this before, you know, like sometime last year about you know, who would you want to be able to bring in to the team, and you know, I saw a tremendous player. I didn't see Neil. I don't. I don't mind Neil. You know, I think he's you know added some stuff to the team, but you know. I my said on Marco Micheletto because I think yeah that's the style of player that this team is missing you know somebody you know who is you know able to you know, do a little bit of you know creation can still put in uh, you know the dirty work in the midfield you know and be able to open up you know space for himself or somebody else. 
Yeah, hundred percent. I think. I mean, I said it before too. Like, I, I would. I love Mega Leather's game. And case in point, this weekend, he's been the catalyst of South Georgia. Like, if South Georgia played well, it's normally because either Mega Leather had an assist or because he had a goal or because he had the MLS yeah. assist. Like, he is the catalyst yeah. of that team. Um, I don't know. You know, once again, we're not in practice. But if you want to invite us to practice. We're always down to home. I don't have to teach no more for the rest of the summer. So I have a whole bunch of free time. Invite me to practice nice. so I can figure out what's going on. That's uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so we close out this game is 1-1. I want to ask you guys before we you know, move on to the other subject. Do you guys feel like it's a point drop? Do you guys feel like it's a point earned? I mean, points dropped or points earned. Where do you guys feel on that? Um... I think I think it's a point earned again talking about how the fact that Union Omaha is top player in the league and a uh, top player I'm sorry. Uh Union Omaha is uh, one of the top teams in the league. It was going to be a tough ask regardless especially with everything that we just talked about with the team still trying to find its feet it would be hard to go up against a team that started the season guns blazing. Uh, the fact that we are, were able to hold them to a one, one draw, I think is a good thing is a good thing. So yeah, I think that's a point earned. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I said at the beginning you know, of the show that uh, in a vacuum, if you're offered, you know, Hey, you take a draw against Omaha, probably say yes. You know, on there. So, and certainly with the way that the game was going for most of it, absolutely. If you offered me at halftime a draw, I would have taken it, run so fast out of you know that stadium, and you know been overjoyed, thinking I ripped you off. You know, in that moment. You know, so uh, yeah, can't complain. Uh, since we're wrapping, you know, talking about this game, uh, need to you know give some. We, we rag on them a little bit more out of you know fun teasing than actually like really ragging on them. But you know, Akira bailed this team out twice late in the game. You know, he earned his man of the match, you know, straight up this time and didn't get any coach's preference you know, or anything. You know, he had that, you know, one big save 88th minute on Elma N4, uh, or he swatted it away, had another one in stoppage time, you know, where I don't remember who, who it was, but they just fired a bullet at him. I wasn't sure, you know, in real time, if he saved, if somebody else saved it off the line, but like he got it, uh, I'm going to give him the credit for it anyway, if nothing else. Uh, so, you know, once again, you know, Akira, you know, saving this, you know, this team in the critical moments, you know, we're fortunate to have, uh, you know, somebody that reliable back there. Yeah. I felt like Akira heard the podcast. He was like, I'm going to show Elliot. <laughs> I'm going to show him why I deserve that in the match. Um, so going into next week, we're on the road against North Carolina. The game is not on Saturday. It is Friday because on Saturday, the North Carolina courage play. So, uh, don't go to the bar side actually for the kicker game because they're probably going to look at you crazy and then they're going to ask you who are the kickers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's happened to me before. So, oh, um, the, good, the good folks down at table, big kicker supporters. Uh, but yeah, they won't be able to find the game on Saturday. Yeah. Um, so, next eight games, the schedule kind of, I want to say, eases up, but I would say this is the part of the schedule where. It's do or die. Like, you know, the more points out of this part of the season, the better. Um, first of all, we start off on the road against North Carolina FC. Then we have North Texas. 
at home for Lauder at home. Then again, against North Texas on the road, South Georgia on the road that following Saturday. Come home against FC Tucson on the road against uh, Toronto too. And then we come back home before the Revs. Guys, those eight games, what are you expecting out of those eight games? How many wins are we thinking? I know it's a little bit it's, – it's very long, but, you know, what? why is this part of the season so important for the kickers if they want to get that exclusive home playoff game? Uh, I, I'm, I'm thinking the kickers need to get at least four wins, at least four wins out of this. Five, if you include the New England game, because the, New England should be should be a win, hands down. Um, we we beat them three nil at their own stadium. We beat them three two a couple weeks ago. We can score three goals against them two times of asking. Can we please do it again? That should be a win, hands down. North Carolina, last time we played them, it was a goalless draw, but. We dominated that game. We created a lot of chances. Hopefully, our guys have their shooting boots on this time, and we can we can actually put some some balls in the back of the net. We should be able to win the North Tech the, the North Carolina game. Fort Lauderdale, I would want a win out of that. Um, Toronto, I think we can get a win out of that. Uh, as for the other ones, they're a bit of a toss up. North Texas might be a win because they're away. Um, and uh, like you you said before we were started recording, Elliot, I mean, I'm more concerned about playing them at home because when you play them at home, they could drop down some of those at FC Dallas players randomly and then we're toast. So, yeah, I, I, I'm thinking North Carolina twice. North Texas could be a win. Fort Lauderdale should be. Toronto and New England should be wins. But the ones that I'm most sure of are probably the two North Carolina games, New England and uh, Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, the two North Carolina games have to be wins, right? You know, they we're the only team that hasn't beaten them that's played them all year. They're you know one draw and some number of losses. Right now, that needs – I don't care that they're both away. That needs to be six points from, you know, those two. I think if you're looking at the eight games overall, uh, if, if the goal is to try to get to the top four to get a home playoff game, probably need minimum six wins out of this group to be able to, you know, get to that goal. I think it's potentially doable. If we're looking at points terms, I would, I would you know, hope that we're getting a minimum of, like, you know, 16 or so points in here. Uh, it, it's hard to run off eight wins in a row for anybody, you know, and at any level. So while you look at them individually, you know, it's easy to say, oh, that should be a winner. That should be a winner. That should be a winner. You know, there'll be a, you know, certainly an odd draw, you know, in there, you know, you could easily see, uh, I mean, I hate to say it, but, you know, Tormenta, you know, loss on the road, you know, you know, potentially, I think the team's capable of winning. We saw them beat them already, you know, fairly comfortably, I thought in that game, you know, I, who knows where Toronto's going to be playing their home game at at that point. They've played home games in Arizona and Florida so far. So who knows where that's going to end up being, uh, you know, which, you know, could bring challenges, could bring advantages. It's just impossible to say you know, right now, but they're also one of those teams that 
who's given this team a lot of you know odd problems in the past. You know, so overall, you know, I, if we went down the line, you know, is this game winnable? Yes. Is this game winnable? Yes. I'd probably say that for all eight of them. Do I think we're going to win all eight? Realistically, probably not. There will be a slip on the way, but need to win at least six. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm right. I'm right where you guys are. I think four is my like minimal <laughs> expectation. Six, seven is definitely like my high. Like if we only get four of these, we're gonna have a lot of questions if we're making the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say this four and like if you if you tell me right now, all right, I'll give you four wins. Yeah, I'm trying to make sure I do the math right in my head. Two draws and two losses. I'm like, all right. That's like minimum, like, okay, I can I can there's still part of the season left. But if there's like four wins and four losses, then whoo buddy. It's gonna be tough. That home playoff yeah. game is a lot tougher. Um, because I still believe to me, I, that's my expectation. Like, is that home playoff game? Anywhere between two to four. That was a home playoff game for me. Or one through four. Um, because we can still get the number one spot. Um, so this Friday, I was messed up. This Friday we played North Carolina. Um do you guys expect any formation changes? I know we've been talking about a lot with uh, Madden, Luke, and Emmy and Neil. Do you guys expect a formation change? Do you expect any players that are on the bench to come in, you know, to get a start in this game? Where are you guys at? Um, from the from what the pattern shows, I expect a formation change because this lineup worked against New England, so he used it again against forward. Madison didn't quite work and then use it again against Omaha didn't quite work. I think he's due to be like, all right, let's change it up. Let's go and change it up again. Find something that's going to work. I think there might be, there might be a situation where we have a slightly different lineup against North Carolina. Uh, where those changes will be. I'm hoping to see Oleg start. Um, I'm hoping to, as we discussed, maybe see Matt come in in the midfield uh, later on in the game. But uh, to be honest with you, I don't know what team uh, Darren's going to put out there. For me, I'll I'll believe the shape's going to change when I see it. You know, it stayed the same all throughout this. I don't see any reason why it's going to change. All of a sudden, right now, I think some of the personnel could change. Yeah, like, you know, we talked about you give Olex a run out there you know we saw in you know the second away game of the year when we went down to play Fort Lauderdale in a game that we probably thought should have you know, been you know at least a draw out of it that you know, he switched some things up that game in terms of personnel you know he gave a visa you know to start there I think that was Neil's first you know start uh so maybe he gives you know somebody else you know a run out you know give somebody Arrest as a, re- a result, uh, but I don't think I don't think Darren's a guy who radically makes changes. I think he makes you know minor incremental changes along the way and trusts that he has you know set the team up you know strongly from the go. I mean, I yeah. think at this point, yeah. personally, I feel that you, you, he needs to put 
of players he knows that are going to perform because this is an opportunity. I understand that people would think, oh, North Carolina, they're not doing very well. This is the opportunity to maybe try out some new players. No, this is this is the game where we need to start a start momentum. We need a momentum shift. Right now, we had two draws, two drab draws, literally, after winning against New England. We need to build some momentum. So I feel that North Carolina, there needs to be a statement there. There needs to be yeah, a statement. I, I mean, this is basically a must-win game, right? In reality, no, it's not actually – mathematically, no, it's not a must-win game. It's only the 10th game of the season. But realistically, must-win game you know, here. So, yeah, I think we're going to see what he thinks is his absolute best team. Uh, if it was you – know, that. It was a month later, and it was, you know, when we go to North Carolina and then have a game at Tormenta three days later, then, yeah, you might see a little bit of, uh, you know, rotation there. But I think it's going to be – that's why I think it's, you're not going to see a ton of changes. I think it's going to be, you know, guns blazing and because I can only presume that he's been putting out what he thinks is his best team. Yeah. Um, for me personally, I, I'll be shocked, like you said, Matt, if, if he changes formation. Um you know, we've been talking about it. I kind of am liking the idea of us playing a four four two. You know, but I, I don't see it happening. I'll be shocked if he does do it. Um, I can't see him bringing in Olex. I don't know whether it's not to play striker. We did see that substitution made where he um, dropped Emmy back to attacking man. He brought Olex in a striker. Um, can we see him start a striker again in this game? Maybe, possibly, or we can see him starting on the right wing. It'd be interesting to see. Um, and Darren did mention in, cause this has been something that's talked a lot in the Red Army, um, about how, why isn't Alex starting? You know, I've said him multiple times. He's a great super sub. Um, Darren told us in the press, uh, post game show about that Alex has picked up a knock on his knee. It's, it's nothing to worry about. He's a, but he can only give him a limited amount of time, um, 30 minutes here or so. So hopefully he gets a lot healthier, a lot better. He can start. The game on Friday against North Carolina. I agree with you guys that it's not a must-win game, but it's a statement game. It's a game that if you go into this game and you score three goals, the next seven becomes a lot easier versus you lose this. And like we said, you go look at this table. This table is congested. You know, only two teams ahead of us out of that top six, I think, have played more games than us. That's Fort Lauderdale and that's South Georgia. That's two teams you play coming up. And you want to have a lot of confidence when you play those teams because you got you got points to make up, you got games in hand. But the rest of the table is right behind us. There's not that many points that separated separates us. Um, lucky enough for Madison drop points, so that means we stayed in the sixth spot. But at this point, we gotta climb up this table quickly and secure a spot because, like you said, it's only six. And it would be really disappointing to miss out the playoffs in a six-team playoff. In a league of what twelve teams, that's not good. It's not good. Uh, definitely, what happened on the end of last year, missing out on the playoffs. So, um, before we wrap up, guys, anything else from you guys before we wrap up? So, if you have the opportunity on Friday to take a little road trip down to North Carolina, I encourage you to do it. Away games are—I think away games are more fun than home games. To be totally honest. Uh, and it's an easy trip. You can be, depending on how you drive, you can be back home by midnight. You know, games at seven, ends at nine. You could feasibly be home 
you know, by midnight. So it's not, it's a road trip where you don't have to book a hotel or pull an all night or get back. No, yeah. not at all. Do it. Do it. Um, for those that are in the Red Army Facebook group, I am working on getting tickets. Just North Carolina FC front office is being very slow. So as soon as I get the link, trust me, it will be a Red Army Facebook page. If you're not a part of the Red Army Facebook page, um, DM us on Twitter. We'll make sure to get your information you can join. Um, Shanir, anything else you from that before we wrap up for this week? Uh, no, not really. I was liking the black kits, though. I was really liking the black kits. Yeah. I, okay. So this is near the end of the podcast. I'll set on my soapbox one more time. I'm I'm a little bit at odds with the kickers right now about the the presentation for Juneteenth. You know, I like the shirt. The shirt was cool. I just wish they would have promoted it a little bit more. And I don't know if, you know, I've heard that, you know, stuff got dropped that was out of their control, things they couldn't do. But I just felt like they could have been a little bit more done, a little bit more like, hey, guys, you know, we're not able to do this. We want to do this instead. Just a little bit more communication. But I feel like every fan talks about that from the front offices. So I don't know if I really have a leg to stand on on that. Yeah. Oh. yeah, I mean, to to be honest with you, it's it's one of those situations where it's like, oh yeah, that's a nice kid. I don't, I don't think there were a lot of people probably at the stadium in the stands that understood why the kickers were wearing a black kit, and that's something that should have been a little more conveyed as a message. I'm not 100 percent sold that that's why they wore the black one anyway in the first place. Exactly. The fact that we're speculating in the fr- <laughs> at all is just like, <laughs> nah, nah, I'm, I'm not going that one. Ellie, what you're what you're saying with the promotion piece? Uh, I get what you're saying. I don't think it had anything to do with Juneteenth. I think they just don't do a good job of promoting anything this year. <laughs> yeah, this is also true. Go look at Kicker Plus. Yeah, that or. Go look at the attendances. How has the attendance gone down over the course of this year when people are actually allowed to now start to go do things? Yeah. Come on. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. I mean, the last home game wasn't too bad in terms of the attendance. This one, it's been hot. So I couldn't understand people like, okay, you know what? I've been – me personally, one of the reasons why I didn't go is I've been in the heat all week. I'm not going also, to Also, happy Father's Day, Shanir. Happy Thank Father's you. Day, my friend. Thank you. Father of the Year. <laughs> but, but also, uh, I'm ready to burn the black kits because, uh, you know, two boring draws at home in them. I'm done with it. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I feel like the only kit we should keep this year is the cookie kit because that's the only kit that we actually yes. lit in. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> we had a win in the red. Kit. Huh? We won in red. Yeah, but the red we, we also had, had like disappointing games. The cookie kit, at least we've been like good offensively. And that's our best looking kit. I'm sorry. The cookie kit no, is the right best on. looking kit. Okay, now uh, I disagree with you. I disagree with no, you. No, I'm sorry. That cookie kit, that is fire. If you take the cookie kit off, there's nothing more than a basic gray jersey. There's nothing else in that jersey outside of the lettering. It's Please tell me I'm lying. It's not just gray. Shanir, that jersey is gray. <laughs> With white. Yeah, it's better than white. <laughs> that, that's it. There you go. <laughs> Whatever. Also, also, the word great in Chattanooga, and the sooner I can you know, blow anything out of Chattanooga out of my mind, 
better. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Tell me about it. Sure. Also, the kickers are red. Let's wear red at home. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. All right. Oh, <laughs> with that being said, this is the part of the show where he gets weird and funky. Um, <laughs> I bet you there are a lot of people that are sitting there. Why do they hate Chattanooga so much? I'm sorry. <laughs> if, they're, if they're still listening to this over an hour, and they already knew we hated Chattanooga. Yeah, they already knew this. <laughs> <laughs> We're at that point. Um, with that being said, listeners, as always, we want to say thank you guys so much for taking the time of your day to listen to our show. We recently just cracked uh, the 10,000 listener mark in our third year of hosting this podcast. So we want to say thank you guys for every download that you guys have done. Listen to us. Um, I know a lot of people came up to me, Shanair, Matt, and the same. And thank you. Thank us for the work that we do. We love doing it because we get to talk soccer and make jokes about our favorite team and players. Um so always be on the lookout. We have a lot of interviews coming for you guys soon. Matt is promising an article before a bomb makes a free kick. We don't know when that's going to happen, but it's probably going to happen soon. According to Elliot, <laughs> never. That's when the article's coming, folks. That's when the article's coming. Uh, <laughs> uh, so with that being said, guys, we'll holler at you guys later. Keep us on the good side. Thank you.